worthy, O Father God. Today is our communion Sunday. We are partaking this communion with the blood that with the bread that represents the broken body of Christ and the blood is poured out. We are here to remember what Christ did on the cross for us. The broken body and the blood that poured out on the cross. Not just the sacrifice, but also it helps us to be reminded how much, how great is the love of Christ for us. And the Bible says, For whoever who eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord, in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick. And a number of you have fallen asleep. If we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Before we partake this communion, let us close our eyes and ask Christ to check our heart. And let us be humble. Jepson and friends to join me here at the communion table. says here for I receive from the Lord what I also passed to you, unto you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed 
took bread. And with he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. May I ask Pastor Jepson to pray for the bread. Father God, we thank you for this bread that we've got right now, Father. And we thank you for allowing us to remember as this, as the same, as your, as your son's body, Father, being the sacrifice for us. So, Father, we want to honor you and glorify you through this bread, Father, as we partake it. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus, your son. Amen. Please distribute the bread. Let us together eat the bread.
Let us together drink from the cup. Let's welcome our pastor. <laughs> With a blast. <laughs> our pastor, Pastor Lloyd Bungabog. Thank you, Pastor Jepson. Kuya Juan, masada kayo ma-proud. Maka-proud. Ako bang kuhan karon is humility. <laughs> By the way, thank you very much for the leaders who uh, arranged this stuff. It's very refreshing and very surprising. Praise God. I never thought that it could be designed like this. I, it's like, kanang, it's like the arrangement. If you bought buy a card from, you know, buy a card from. I know you aren't familiar already of the card. No, that was like Christmas card, Valentine's card, because everything is online. But what I can remember, aning uh, arrangement, Morosyag. Pang poster ba? No? Ang iyahang... Oh, pang postcard. Ang iyahang dating. Yang quality. It's wow. Let's give a hand of applause. A, a round of applause to the leaders. Thank you. Wait. Okay. Wow. It's a wonderful week. And... It's kind of how how's your week? So so. Social. Go on, millennial. I I I pray that I can learn millennial words. Okay, today I titled my sermon. Humility is essential. We are familiar with food is essential. No? There are essential workers only. But today we will be learning humility is essential. So let me start with the story of a deer and the snail. You know, you are familiar of the hare and the turtle? Uh, this one is different. I, you know... When I was, uh, this is from Tagalog. I'm tutoring Shan, Tagalog. No, I every sentence I interpret for him. <laughs> so I read the whole uh, story. But this story, I kind of twist, give a twist. So there was this deer, not deer. It's a deer. Okay, so. This deer is scams many animals in the forest, in the animal kingdom. So this is his lifestyle for a long time. Many animals filed complaints against this deer. Okay? The deer looks so innocent outside, but inside is a scammer. It's an animal. One day, 
it scam the wild pig. So, the wild pig was so innocent that he lead, because the wild pig is very hungry, he uh, lead this wild pig to eat a human being. So, the, the deer led the wild pig to the hunter. <laughs> because the wild pig is so innocent, when he tried to attack the human being, he was shot. But he was not hit. And he ran for his dear life. And the deer laughed so hard to the top of his lungs. The word L-O-L. Laugh out loud. <laughs> so, laugh out loud. He was very proud of himself because he is a wise deer. One day he challenges a snail for a race. This is like, what? No. He is really a scammer. How come this deer can challenge a snail? Because he is a scammer. He makes sure that he will win. And the snail accepted the challenge. Another, what? The snail accepted the challenge and make a deal with the deer. If the snail wins, the deer will stop scamming other animals. So the deer agreed. And the snail had a plan. The plan together with all the wild animals in the animal kingdom, in that forest. The snail had 20 siblings that looked exactly like him. So their plan with all the animals to scatter his siblings around that racetrack. So... The day of the race come, came. There was, the deer was so happy because this is a sure win. As soon as the gun fires, bah, the deer runs so fast as he can. He smiled and stopped and looked behind. To his surprise, the snail was ahead of him. Saying, hey dear, are you tired already? And he was so shocked. His face pales. And so he ran, he ran and ran and he stopped again. And there's his surprise. There was this snail saying, come on, let's run. And the, the deer ran and ran until the finish line. And he was so surprised that the snail is already there at the finish line. <laughs> so what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is the deer doesn't have control. Even though he is wise, he is very proud. He doesn't have the control of everything. For us also, 
no matter how easy the task we are going to do, let us not be proud enough that to admit, to say that I can do this, this is very easy. So have you been in the situation that you are so sure that your plan will work, but it did not happen? It was a failure. Our text for today is from Acts chapter 8, verse 30 to 31. Last Sunday, we talked about Acts chapter 7, right? Now, uh, it, and it features the whole chapter, the life of Stephen. Now, it's time for Philip to shine in this chapter. So, in Acts chapter 30, verse 31, then Philip ran up the chariot and heard a man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this time of Father Galo that we can uh, learn, God. Let your word be clear. Lord, let your word be refreshing to our mind, to our body. Oh God, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God. Let your spirit, Father God, fill this place, oh God. Touch every, everyone's heart, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, who is Philip? No. Philip is, if you remember in chapter, Acts chapter 6, he, won, he is one of the Hellenistic Jews, together with Stephen and the seven, and the seven or six, no, was chosen among the thousand believers in the early church of Acts. There was Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timor, Parmenas, and Nicholas. There are seven of them. So after the execution of Stephen by stoning, which approved by Saul, who is later become Apostle Paul, the church was scattered in Judea and Samaria. Because of a great persecution among the early church caused by Saul who began to destroy the church going from house to house, dragging off both men and women and put them in prison. Imagine if that happens to us here. No, it's kind of scary. So those who had been scattered they preached the word wherever they went. Again, those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went or preached the gospel. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, went down because the uh, Jerusalem is kind of hill, then Samaria is kind of uh, valley, and proclaimed the gospel there, Messiah there. So, the city of Samaria, no, have you ever wondered why Jesus uh, commanded the, give the command to the apostles to go to the uh, Judea and Samaria before the ends of the world? Because Samaria is in the Old Testament, is the capital of the northern kingdom. And here the great completely rebuilt because it was... Remember, it was destroyed. 
It was rebuilt between 30 and 20 BC and named it Sebaste. Kind of familiar word, Sebaste. <laughs> the Samaritan people had been despised by the Jews since Old Testament times due to their intermarriage because after they were destroyed the Jews who are left in Samaria they married uh, what do you call that uh, other people no or Gentiles no who live among them and due to that belief of Mount Jerusalem not Jerusalem was the place of appointed by God for sacrifice. If you remember the Jesus uh, with the woman, the Samaritan woman on the well, the well, uh, the woman said, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus replied to, to her, Woman, believe me, a time coming from you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. This is the mountain that they are talking about. The Mount of Jerusalem and Jerusalem. When Christ commissioned the twelve, he forbade them to go to Samaritans. You will know later why. Israel need to repent first. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, later, however, Christ specifically sent them to the Samaritans. Christ treated the Samaritans graciously. As is evident from his dealing with the Samaritan woman at the well. And from his teaching the parable of a good Samaritan. And his healing of the ten lepers. There are ten, but only one returned. And thank Jesus that he was a Samaritan. The Samaritans stood in French of Judaism. They were not Gentiles, but neither. They are properly Jews. No, there is there's this incredible tension between you know, the Jews and the Samaritan. They... The Samaritan don't like the Jews and the Jews don't like the Samaritan. But Philip, for him, there is no Jews, there is no Samaritan. No. Because he only see one thing, people who need to hear the gospel. So Philip in verse 5, in chapter 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. He was a spirit-filled evangelist. Philip was first to take the gospel to non-Jew people. This episode illustrates the gospel continued expansion despite of opposition and its power to break down ethnic and religious barriers. So my question is that, what's stopping us from sharing the gospel? What's stopping us? No? Ethnic barriers? A religious barrier? 
or our comfort barrier. We are here right now in the Philippines. Are you here? Are you a Filipino? Yeah? <laughs> Some kind of... Okay. At present time, we don't have an ethnic barrier, a religious barrier, like in the Bible times, right? Those people who opposed Christianity before, now they are old. No, and some of them died already. This new generation, the millennials, who are more, they are more open to the gospel. So, what's stopping us? The barrier of comfort, comfort zone. So, we are so comfortable in our faith and we may don't have the zeal to reap the harvest or sharing the gospel. We just like to live in our comfort zone. For example, we spend too much time scrolling on the meta, metaverse, also known as Facebook, <laughs> Bible verse. Do you know the Metaverse or the Facebook has an artificial intelligence. It analyzes what you see, what you like, and always feed you those things that you like. That's the Metaverse. No, that is the reason you are hooked at the Facebook. But I don't want to stop you. I'm using Facebook. You know what? If I stop you, it will create a psychological craving for Facebook. Example, sa mga tiguang, ang doktor mingon nga, ayaw kaon o parat, ginamus, amahong, o bulad, dahil kay taas imong dugo. What will happen? Yes, they will not eat in front of their family. No? But behind, behind the, you know, the table, on the kitchen, there, there they are. <laughs> you can catch them eating this bawal food. So, but I just want to add something on your Facebook time. So, since you are already on Facebook, connect to your family. To your loved ones, your relatives. Catch up with them. And find opportunity to share the gospel. There is always an opportunity for us if we are sincere in our approach. Sincere to love them. Sincere to reflect Christ on them. Not to have no... Uh, a motive to invite them to church. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't say that it is wrong to invite someone to church. But people can read you. Can read your motive. Ah, nakikuan na ni siya sa ako. Okay, gusto mo ko ni siya. Invite ko sa ilang church. Yeah. What will happen? They will be closed door. 
It's very important to be sincere. Amen? So, because these are the people that they need the peace of God. That only God can offer. We don't know. There are people there, they, they suffered sleepless night. No matter how they want to sleep, they cannot sleep. Because the peace of God is absent in their life. There's a peace beyond understanding. There are people, no matter they, how much money they have, how much gadget they have, how much uh, modern they wear, they don't have the joy, the real joy that only Jesus can offer. Because in Acts chapter 8, verse 6, it says that when the crowds heard Philip and saw the sign he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with strict impure spirit came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a what? A great joy in the city. And in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 7, I am curious of this. For with shriek and impure spirit came out of many, and who were paralyzed, who were lame, who were healed. Because in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Now, for some time, a man named Simon, who had practiced sorcery in the city, and amazed all the, all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he is someone great. And all the people, both high and low, give him their attention and exclaim, This man is rightly called the great power of God. Who is this Simon? He is not the Simon the Apostles. The name Simon is a common name during that time. You know, my dad always got a hit in NBI every time he requests for NBI clearance. Because somewhere in Bohol, who named exactly like him, Ricardo de Bungabung, has a criminal case of stealing carabao and chicken. <laughs> no, he always got a hit. No, he need to plead not guilty for him to be cleared. My wife, her name is Gracia Nina. It's a very unique name, also known as Grace. It is something Spanish. It means, in English, Grace, little girl. Who is now a grown-up. <laughs> the unique name is very important, right? Maybe you can, so for some people, they give their children a unique name. I heard they, they give him a very unique name like Spaghetti Macaroni. It's a very unique name, whoever wants your, your child to name Spaghetti Macaroni. For some, they name it Mac OS 12. 
And Android John. <laughs> anyway, Simon, known in the church history as Simon Magus. What is Magus? The magician. According to the later church uh, tradition, Simon became an arch heretic and founder of the Simonians. Grabe no? Simonians. Can I name, can I have group Lloydians? Oh, Gracians. <laughs> oh, Simonians. But this one is a Gnostic sect. His travels eventually took him to Rome, Grabby, where he opposed the church there, practiced sorcery, probably as healer, exorcist, and a wonder worker. Simon the Struther had been claiming of embodied power of God. In other words, he claimed to be the angel of God. He had guarded a long-stand audience because he had wowed gullible people with his magic arts and trickery. When he was doing sleight of hand tricks and engaged demonic activity, and he did not represent the truth, nor the power of God. Imagine the name Simon. The man rightly called the great power of God. That's according to the Bible. People call him with his title, the rightly called the great power of God. And everybody say, it's a lie. <laughs> Can you say, it's a lie? Simon is the man rightly called the great scammer of Samaria. Can you imagine how much pride that gives to Simon, the title that people gave him? Simon the Magus, the magician, the plural of Magus is Magi. Are you familiar with the Magi? Magi are sorcerer, priests that didn't know God. They study stars, practice magic. Pagan incantation, self-divination, charm, horoscope, which is very deceiving, trickery, talking to the dead, and other demonic activities under the power of the demons. The Samaritans are obviously and generally superstitious. And they have fallen under the spell of Simon for a long time. For he is, you know, in the Bible, he is the first false prophet encountered by the apostles. Simon fits the idea of who is narcissist. What is a narcissist? Narcissism is self-centered personality style characteristic of having an excessive interest in one physical appearance of an excessive preoccupation with one's own needs, often with the expense of others. They say if you took 
too much selfie. You are a narcissist. And narcissist is someone who claims to know, to have a knowledge. Not just a knowledge, but secret knowledge, elevating knowledge. Someone who claims to have a knowledge that was only revealed to him. Someone who claims to have a knowledge that is distinct among other people. Because this is someone who claims to have commune with God. And claim to have only the only person that has the rightful access to the divine secret. And worse, someone claims to be a God. Someone, Simon, has a wrong view of himself. He is assuming that he is, is a great, he is a great miracle worker. But he is not. He is operating under the power of Satan. Keeping the Samaritans in bondage for a long time. In Acts chapter 8 verse 12 it says, But they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere. Astonished. Take note of this. Astonished by the great sign and miracles he saw. Simon's great power of God, his name, believed the gospel that was preached by Philip and was baptized. Did Simon humble himself? No, he did not humble himself. He is one very hungry for power. Remember, astonished by the great sign and miracles he saw. Yes, he believed, but this does not mean he is saved. Even Satan believed in Jesus and they shudder. In Acts chapter 8 verse 14, when the, apostle, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, the gospel, they sent Peter and John. They are best friends. I believe they are best friends. They are always together. No, they are partners. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. And they received the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come unto them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit. They can recognize this because of the evidence of speaking in other language. In Acts chapter 8, verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of hands of the apostles, he offered them money. 
he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. You know, Simon was so desperate of power. He offered money to the apostles to have this, to receive this power. But he is not. So that he will not be left out. No? Realizing that his title, Simon, great power of God, is fading because there are many Samaritans believe the gospel that was preached by Philip. His name is fading. And people, the Samaritans, now identify what is counterfeit or fake. The Samaritan knows the truth. That, what, that was preached by Philip and now can distinguish the fake power of Simon. And Peter answered, what's the answer, Peter? May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. This is a very strong word that is equivalent to go to hell. <laughs> You have no part of sharing in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. So repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord and hope that He may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You know, Peter does not see anger, bitterness to Simon. The literal word of phrase, however, you are in a gulf of bitterness. Simon is not bitter, rather he is full of bitter poison. His heart is away from God. He is not interested in Jesus. He is only interested of the power he can receive. This is consistent with the next line of describing him as captive to sin. You know, both expressions suggest that Simon himself is not, has not experienced the redeeming and transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. You know, his reply does not convey repentance, humility, but what? Pride. You know, pride is the barrier to Simon for being saved. Yes, he went through the motion together with other Samaritans, even to water baptism, but his heart is not right with God. His heart is far, far away from God. He is just interested in the power of God for him to use and to display to the Samaritans. Do you know that Satan likes to join the church? 
She always likes to join the church. There are always people like this, like Simon. Now, they look like deers, but inside they are wolf. They look like they have a sheep clothing, a wolf with sheep clothing. So better watch out. The real hindrance for everyone to come to salvation is what? Pride. May, may, we may not be a sorcerer like Simon, but pride prevents us from brokenness. Pride prevents us from repentance. Pride prevents us from being humble. Which is essential for salvation. You know, pride gathers multitude of sins. Pride is an ugly mask that many people wear. Pride is a mask that overlooks the fear of God. Pride is a mask that overlooks sinfulness. Pride is the mask that overlooks lawlessness. Pride is the mask that overlooks guilt. Pride is the might that overlooks idolatry. Pride dooms men. The next chapter, the next verse that we are going to study, our main verse. But before going to the main verse, let's go back to Philip. Where the angel gave Philip the instruction to go south to the road, to the desert road, to, and goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Then Philip ran up with a chariot and heard a man reading Isaiah prophet. Before these guys, when they study the word of God, they read it aloud. Who among you here? If you are studying God's word, you're reading it aloud or you're just reading it by yourself. But these people, when they you know, read God's word, they read aloud. Then Philip ran up the chariot and heard the man read the prophet Isaiah, reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I, he said. Unless someone explains it to me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And you know what passage did the youth Ethiopian eunuch was reading? It was Isaiah chapter 53. What is Isaiah chapter 53? It is the verse where uh, Jesus was uh, introduced to the to this to Isaiah. So it, it reads like this He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before it shears as silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak and this, of his discernment, the descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? Then, the, you know, the eunuch. Ask Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? 
talking about himself or someone else. You can see this eunuch, he is not from Jerusalem. He is the chief, what do you call that? Chief financial officer. He is a very rich, and I, I forgot the country where he's from. So, he traveled a thousand miles. You know? A thousand miles. Maybe someone in their country shared to him about the gospel. Or about Judaism. And, you know, he went to church. He went to go and visit Jerusalem with a chariot. You know, how fast is a chariot? <laughs> It's very, he traveled so far, he really sacrificed just to go to the temple. Then, you know, he has a scroll. You know, before that, there's no cell phone, there's no book, just a scroll. For someone to have a scroll, a copy of Isaiah, he must, he is someone rich. But, we know this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, he has a scroll and he studied the word of God while on the way home. And we can see from this guy, no, he is hungry for truth. What? He is hungry for truth. Not of power like Simon. And he is humble. To learn from Philip. To teach him. There is this element of teachability. And then. Then. What happened next? They traveled along the road. Remember this is a desert. They came up some water. Why on earth there is a desert? <laughs> there is a water on the desert. And the eunuch said, "Look, here's the water. What can what can stand in my way from being baptized?" Obviously, Peter was sharing to him the gospel and the and the water baptism. Then, no, you know God. Provided for the eunuch because of his attitude, the water, for him to be baptized. When God bless us, he will give us a complete blessing. No, for this eunuch, he experienced the miracle of God. First, he had Philip. Then, he had this water. Philip teaching him the gospel and he has this water for him to be baptized. So both Philip and Eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And they come up the water and the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. But went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azutus and travel about preaching the gospel in the towns until he reaches Caesarea. 
talking about teleportation. <laughs> teleportation. God can make miracle. So humility is a challenge to everyone, every day, even for Christians. You know, prayerlessness is a great sign of pride. It is telling God that we can do it on our own, even in little things. That is why this church is emphasizing daily prayer for everyone. You can pray for your family and MWF at is. As it was announced, we will, give, we will give you the prayer list, prayer request. Because this church, you no, know, encourage each one to join us Monday to Saturday. Starting from 6 p.m. until 9 p.m. It is a flexible time for you to pray. You can pray, you can do 15 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes or an hour or two hours or three hours. And we have also prayer meeting every Saturday at 6 p.m. And on this, uh, this coming Tuesday, we have also an online prayer meeting at 8 p.m. Prayer is also a great sign of humility. Asking God for everything that we are going to do. Everything that we need. We're asking God for His guidance, for His strength, for His intervention, for His power. May I call on the musicians? I would like to encourage each one of us, the church, to join us every day as we pray for our family. Pray for our country, pray for our relatives, pray for ourselves. Let's let us humble enough to admit to God that we cannot do it on our own. We need to pray. Imagine if the church exercised humility, even just in prayer. You can see people, joyful people. People who are teachable. People who delight in the word of God. People who are truly joyful in worshiping God. You can see people, a church, a church members that is so blessed. People that are healthy, not just spiritual health, but also physical health because they have a good rest because they can sleep at night. You see church people who are committed to Christ. The church people who doesn't fear of rejection when they share the gospel. People 
who have the courage to share the word of God. People that honors God with their lips, with their money, with their body, honors God with their time. Lord, thank you for your word, O oh God. I pray that your word will stay in our hearts, O oh God. But also, God, not just to stay in our hearts, but it will grow, Father. It will overflow in our lives, O oh Father. So as to other people may glorify and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.